On Enmeshed, we discuss crimes and situations that may be disturbing for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Enmeshed, where we uncover intriguing stories and explore the depths of family dynamics and crime. I'm your host, Amanda. And I'm her mom, Pam. And today we delve into the extraordinary life of Gypsy Rose Blanchard, a case that has captivated the attention of millions, especially since her recent release from prison. That's right. From the shocking murder of her mother to the dark secrets that lay hidden beneath the surface. This case is as complex as it is tragic. Join us as we peel back the layers and bring this captivating story to light. Let's get into it. To truly understand the case of Gypsy Rose Blanchard, we must first unravel the details of her upbringing. Born a healthy yet small baby on July 27, 1991, Gypsy Rose lived a life plagued by illness and confinement. Or did she? Throughout her childhood, her mother, Claudine D.D. Blanchard, portrayed her daughter as suffering from a multitude of severe medical conditions, ranging from leukemia, genetic disorders, epilepsy, to muscular dystrophy. As a result, Gypsy Rose was made to believe she was entirely dependent on her mother's care, confined to a wheelchair and requiring constant medical attention. Dee Dee would make Gypsy Rose pretend to be sick using an oxygen tank, feeding tubes, and being bound to a wheelchair. This misleading situation led charities like Habitat for Humanity to build them a house after Hurricane Katrina destroyed their previous one in New Orleans and sent them on all-expense-paid trips to Disney World. Over the years, Gypsy started to realize the lies, the unnecessary surgeries, and the inappropriate medication prescribed to her. Just a few examples of unnecessary procedures that she had. Her saliva glands were removed due to supposed excessive salivation, and she took an epilepsy medication that made her teeth crumble and fall out. Despite this knowledge, she didn't tell anyone, not even family members, during their sparse visits. Gypsy was also not allowed to see her dad. She hardly got to visit extended family and admits she could have asked for help, but she didn't think anybody would believe her. Gypsy lived a very sheltered life, which definitely limited her understanding of the world outside of her home. Dee Dee Blanchard was a master manipulator. She expertly crafted an image of herself as a dedicated mother, devoting her life to caring for her sick daughter. However, what many didn't realize at the time was that Gypsy Rose was not truly sick. Her mother had misled everyone around her, 
including medical professionals, which I personally don't understand, but I will save that conversation for another day. Let's get some background information on Dee Dee. Dee Dee Blanchard was born in Chack Bay, Louisiana, near the Gulf Coast in 1967, and grew up with her family in Golden Meadow. She was one of five children. Relatives recalled she had a habit of stealing from her family, which they speculated was a form of retaliation when things didn't go her way. At some point early in her adult life, she worked as a nurse's aide. This is where she probably learned about medical conditions. The family actually expressed suspicion that in 1997, she might have killed her own mother by denying her food. When Dee Dee was 24, she became pregnant by Rod Blanchard, who was then only 17. They were married and named their daughter Gypsy Rose because Dee Dee liked the name Gypsy and Rod was a huge fan of Guns N' Roses. I mean, who's not? Shout out to one of our family members who is a huge fan. Oh yeah, my daughter-in-law is a huge Slash fan. I went with her to a Guns N' Roses concert a few years ago, and it was fantastic. Axel had voice lessons. It was a hell of a show, and it was a hell of an experience being with her. I'm sure it was. Shortly after Gypsy's birth in July of 1991, Dee Dee and Rod separated when Rod realized they got married for all the wrong reasons. He resisted Dee Dee's efforts to get him to come back, and she took their newborn daughter to live with her family. Rod tried to stay involved in his daughter's life, but by the time Gypsy was three months old, Dee Dee had convinced everyone that the infant had sleep apnea, and she began taking her to the hospital, where repeated overnight stays with a sleep monitor and tests found no sign of any condition. But Dee Dee was convinced that Gypsy had a wide range of health issues, which was attributed to an unspecified chromosomal disorder, and she didn't want Rod involved at all. Gypsy said that when she was around seven, she was riding on her grandfather's motorcycle when they were involved in a minor accident and she received an abrasion on her knee. This is the time her mother said that the doctor had given her a wheelchair that she would need to use from now on because of that boo-boo on her knee. I really hope the doctor did not give her a wheelchair and that she just got it herself somehow. Most likely. Hope so. We'll get this. So Gypsy often went with her mom to Special Olympics events, and in 2001, when Dee Dee claimed Gypsy was only eight, she was actually 10, she was named the Honorary Queen of the Crew of Mid-City, a child-oriented parade held during Mardi Gras in New Orleans. The audacity of this lady. That's a lot of attention. Uh, Yeah. I watched some videos on this parade. Right. I mean, she's really pulling off this con. It's amazing. I know. Gypsy stopped going to school, possibly by first grade. Her mother homeschooled her because her illnesses were so severe, but actually she was isolating Gypsy to abuse her for her own benefit. Gypsy managed to learn to read on her own through the Harry Potter books, which I fully support as a huge Harry Potter fan myself, currently working back through all of the movies again. That is your jam. Wingardium Leviosa. We've been practicing that at home with straws as wands. I feel like with the toddlers, you got to teach them young if they want to get into Hogwarts. (laughs) Anyways, 
When Dee Dee had moved in with her father and stepmother, they claimed that when she was preparing food for her stepmother, she poisoned it with Roundup weed killer, leading to the stepmother's chronic illness. During that time, Dee Dee was arrested for several minor offenses, including writing bad checks. When the family began to confront her about her treatment of Gypsy and expressed suspicion about her stepmother's health, Dee Dee abruptly left and moved to the suburb of Slidell. Ironically, her stepmother's health returned to normal shortly afterwards. Suspish. You think? In Slidell, they lived in public housing, paying their bills with Rod's child support payments and public assistance Dee Dee had been granted due to Gypsy's supposed medical conditions. They saw various specialists, mostly at Tulane Medical Center and the Children's Hospital of New Orleans, seeking treatment for illnesses she claimed Gypsy had, which now included hearing and vision problems. While a muscle biopsy found no sign of muscular dystrophy, Dee Dee now said that Gypsy had seizures every few months. Several surgeries were performed on her during this time, and Dee Dee regularly took Gypsy to the emergency room for minor ailments. It would take years before the cracks began to appear in Dee Dee's carefully constructed facade. And of course, one of the most notable incidents occurred after Hurricane Katrina devastated the area in August of 2005. Dee Dee and Gypsy left their ruined apartment for a shelter in Covington set up for people with special needs. Dee Dee said Gypsy's medical records, including her birth certificate, had been totally destroyed in the flooding, which was untrue. A doctor suggested that they relocate to Missouri, and they were airlifted there the next month. Gypsy Rose and Dee Dee were awarded a Habitat for Humanity house in Springfield, Missouri, in 2008. During the construction process, Dee Dee ordered a wheelchair ramp to be built, of course, despite the fact that her daughter did not really require one, and she also wanted a hot tub for. Gypsy's muscle disorders. I'm sure that's exactly what it was for. Mm-hmm. During this time in Missouri, Gypsy was honored by the Ole Foundation, which advocates for the rights of feeding tube recipients as its 2007 Child of the Year. The story of a single mother with a severely disabled daughter, forced to flee from Katrina devastation, received considerable local media attention and the community often pitched in to help the woman, who is now called Claudinia Blanchard, with an E at the end of it. Nice. I'm going to call you Pamelinia as your alter ego. My alter ego's name is Leslie. Mm, okay. This is my <laughs> first time No. learning of this. Okay, well. That's Uninterested a- in your alter ego. That's a good thing. As your daughter. The outpouring of support included many charitable contributions, such as free flights to see doctors at Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas, free stays at the Ronald McDonald House, backstage passes to Miranda Lambert concerts via the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and so on. Rod continued to make monthly child support payments of $1,200, as well as sending Gypsy gifts and occasionally talking to her on the phone. During one call on her 18th birthday, he recalls Dee Dee telling him not to mention their daughter's real age because she thought she was only 14. 
Dee Dee kept Rod at bay by telling everyone that he was an abusive drug addict and alcoholic who never could come to terms with his daughter's health issues and never sent them any money. Poor guy. I know. Understandably, many people who met Gypsy were charmed by her small five-foot frame, nearly toothless mouth, large glasses, and a high childlike voice reinforced by the perception that she had all the medical problems her mother claimed she had. Dee Dee would shave Gypsy's head to mimic the hairless appearance of a chemotherapy patient, allegedly telling Gypsy that since her medication would eventually cause her hair to fall out, it was best to shave it in advance. Gypsy often wore wigs or hats to cover her baldness. When they left the house, Dee Dee often took an oxygen tank and feeding tube with them. Gypsy was fed the children's liquid nutrition supplement, Pediasure, well into her 20s. Wow. Dee Dee also used physical abuse to control Gypsy, always holding her hand in the presence of others. When Gypsy said something that suggested she was not genuinely sick or seemed smarter than her ported mental capacity, she recalls her mother would squeeze her hand very tightly, sending a message. When the two were alone, Dee Dee struck her with her open hands or a coat hanger to keep her in line. Dr. Bernardo Flasterstein, a pediatric neurologist who saw Gypsy in Springfield, Missouri, became suspicious of her muscular dystrophy diagnosis. He ordered MRIs and blood tests, which found no abnormalities. He also noted that Dee Dee was not a good historian because after contacting doctors in New Orleans, he learned that Gypsy's original muscle biopsy had come back negative, undermining the reported diagnosis of MS, as well as her claim that all of Gypsy's records had been destroyed by flooding. He suspected the possibility of Munchausen's by proxy syndrome, which is a psychological disorder in which a caretaker fabricates or exaggerates illnesses in another person under their care. So of course, Dee Dee stopped taking Gypsy to see this doctor. And the doctor did not follow up by reporting Dee Dee to social services, unfortunately. He had said that other doctors told him to treat the pair with golden gloves and doubted the authorities would believe him anyway. In 2009, an anonymous caller informed the police about Dee Dee's use of different names and birth dates for herself and her daughter and suggested Gypsy was in better health than claimed. Police performed a wellness check and accepted Dee Dee's explanation that she used the misinformation to make it harder for her abusive ex-husband to find her in Gypsy. Without talking to Rod and reporting that Gypsy seemed genuinely mentally disabled, the file was closed. Since 2001, Gypsy liked attending science fiction and fantasy conventions, sometimes in costume since she could blend into their diverse and inclusive communities in her wheelchair. At a 2011 event, she made what may have been an escape that ended when her mother found her in a hotel room with the man she met online. Dee Dee produced paperwork, falsifying Gypsy's age, and threatened to inform police. Dee Dee smashed her computer with a hammer and threatened to do the same with her fingers if she tried to escape again. She also kept Gypsy leashed and handcuffed to her bed for two weeks. Dee Dee later told Gypsy that she had filed paperwork with the police, 
claiming that Gypsy was mentally incompetent, leading Gypsy to believe that if she attempted to go to the police for help, they would not believe her. In 2012, Gypsy continued to use the computer after her mother would go to bed to avoid her tightened supervision. In October of 2012, she made contact with Nicholas Godijohn, a guy around her age from Big Bend, Wisconsin, on a dating site for Christian singles. Nicholas had a criminal record for indecent exposure and a history of mental illness, sometimes reported as dissociative identity disorder, and he was also on the autism spectrum. Gypsy now had five separate Facebook accounts and liked to flirt with him online, sometimes exchanging some BDSM elements. Okay. Daddy issues for sure. Despite Dee Dee's effort to prevent Gypsy from using the internet, like destroying her phone and laptop, Gypsy maintained contact with her neighbor, Aaliyah Woodmansey, who she considered to be like a big sister. Aaliyah helped her talk to Nicholas, still unaware of the Munchausen's by proxy syndrome that was going on. Gypsy paid for Nicholas to travel to Springfield in March of 2015 and masterminded the idea of him casually bumping into her and her mother while they were at a movie theater to see a special screening of Cinderella. Both of them were in costume. Gypsy thought they would innocently strike up a relationship this way and was hoping that her mother would approve of Nicholas. However, Dee Dee wanted nothing to do with him. At some point during the movie, both Gypsy and Nicholas escaped without Dee Dee noticing and went to the handicap stall in the bathroom to have sex. Nice. Get it, girl. Need that extra space in there. They continued their internet interactions and began developing their plan to murder Dee Dee. Let's take a quick break. Are you planning an event with audio and visual needs but are not sure where to start? Waves Entertainment can help. Waves Entertainment is your premier full-service management company with high-quality custom solutions for any size event. Whether you are planning a large festival or concert, a corporate meeting or wedding, Waves Entertainment will power your event to excellence. Our team of industry professionals work closely with your vision to ensure your audience hears every word, sees every detail, and remembers the experience. Our goal is to ensure your event is customized to fit your needs and provide professional-grade equipment to amplify your message. From live stage production and talent booking to vendor coordination, event staffing, and more, Waves Entertainment is your one-stop shop for the perfect event. Visit our website, wavesentertainment.com, or give us a call at 704-662-2435. That's 704-662-2435. Waves Entertainment, powering your event to excellence. Now back to the show. Nicholas returned to Springfield, Missouri in June of 2015. Dee Dee had been at a doctor's appointment, and when she returned home, she went to sleep. Gypsy secretly let Nicholas into the house and gave him duct tape, gloves, and a knife, with the understanding that he would use it to murder Dee Dee. Gypsy hid in the bathroom and covered her ears so that she would not have to hear her mother screaming. 
Nicholas stabbed Dee Dee 17 times in her back while she was asleep. Afterward, the two had sex in Gypsy's bedroom, and they took $4,000 in cash that Dee Dee had been keeping in the house, mostly from Rod's child support checks. A few days later, they fled to a motel outside of Springfield where they stayed a few more days before their next move. During that time, they were seen on security cameras at several stores. Gypsy said that she believed the two had gotten away with their crime. But not so fast, Gypsy. They mailed the murder weapon, the knife, back to Nicholas's home in Wisconsin to avoid being caught with it. Then they hopped on a bus to Wisconsin. Several witnesses saw the pair on their way to the Greyhound station and noted that Gypsy wore a blonde wig and walked totally unassisted. After seeing suspicious Facebook statuses posted on Dee Dee's account, like, the bitch is dead, people suspected something was amiss. It's believed that Gypsy and Nicholas made these Facebook posts because Gypsy wanted someone to find her mom. When phone calls went unanswered, several friends and neighbors went to the house. While the friends and neighbors knew that the two often left on medical trips unannounced, they had seen Dee Dee's van still parked in the driveway, making an unannounced trip highly unlikely. Protective film on the windows made it hard to see inside. No one answered the door, so gathered friends called 911. When the police arrived, they had to wait for a warrant to be issued so they could enter the house, but they allowed one of the neighbors to climb through a window. What he saw inside the house was largely undisturbed and that Gypsy's wheelchair was still present. When the warrant was issued, police now entered the house and found Dee Dee's mutilated body. A GoFundMe account was set up to pay for her funeral expenses and possibly Gypsy's. Everyone feared the worst. Even if Gypsy had not been harmed, they believed she would be helpless without her wheelchair, medication, and support equipment like oxygen tanks and feeding tubes. Her neighbor's big sister, Aaliyah, who was among the group gathered on the Blanchard lawn, told authorities what she knew about Gypsy, who she thought was 14, and her secret boyfriend. She showed them printouts she had saved which included his name. Based on that information, police asked Facebook to trace the IP address from which the posts to Dee Dee's account were made. It turned out to be in Wisconsin, and the next day, the police agency in Waukesha County raided Nicholas's house. Nicholas and Gypsy quickly surrendered and were taken into custody on charges of murder and felony armed criminal action. The news that Gypsy was safe was greeted with relief in Springfield, where she and Nicholas were soon extradited and held on a $1 million bond. But in announcing this news, the sheriff warned, things are not always how they appear. The Springfield newspaper soon reported the truth of the Blanchard lives, that Gypsy had never been sick, had always been able to walk, but her mother had made her pretend otherwise, using physical abuse to control her. People were urged not to donate money to the family until investigators learned the extent of the fraud. The disclosure of how Dee Dee had treated Gypsy gained sympathy for her as a victim, not as a violent murderer. Murder can carry the death penalty in Missouri or life without parole. The prosecutor announced he would not seek it for Gypsy or Nicholas 
calling the case extraordinary and unusual. After Gypsy's attorney obtained medical records from Louisiana, he secured a plea bargain to second-degree murder for Gypsy. Gypsy was so malnourished up to this point, during the year she was in the county jail, she actually gained 14 pounds in contrast to most people who typically lose weight. In July of 2016, she accepted the plea bargain and was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Nicholas received more severe charges because prosecutors contended that he initiated the murder plot, and he and Gypsy agreed that he was the one who actually killed Dee Dee. He was also more severely prosecuted due to different circumstances. Nicholas was granted less compassion and understanding due to a lack of involvement in the abuse. Gypsy's bargain agreement did not require her to testify against him. In January of 2017, his trial was postponed when prosecutors requested a second psychiatric exam. His lawyer contended that he had an IQ of 82 and was on the autism spectrum, suggesting that he had diminished capacity. He initially waived his right to a trial by jury, but changed his mind in June of that year. His trial was set for November of 2018. Prosecutors alleged that Nicholas had deliberated for over a year before the crime, while his lawyers pointed out his autism and said that Gypsy had formulated the crime and their client was lovestruck. Nicholas had just done what Gypsy had asked. Gypsy did testify that she had indeed suggested that Nicholas kill Dee Dee, and because of her mother's abuse, she had also considered getting pregnant by him. The hope was that once she was carrying Nicholas's child, Dee Dee would have to accept him. That's magical thinking, people. That is, and I don't feel like that would have been a good situation. No. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. Along with the knife that she gave to Nicholas, she stole baby clothes from Walmart during a shopping trip so she could go ahead with either plan. After two hours of deliberation, the verdict was in, and Nicholas was found guilty of first-degree murder and armed criminal action. He was sentenced to life in prison for the murder conviction, the only possible option since prosecutors had declined to seek the death penalty. Nicholas asked the judge for leniency on the armed criminal action charge, which carries a minimum sentence of three years, saying that he had fallen blindly in love with Gypsy. He received a sentence of 25 years on that charge, which is concurrent with his life sentence. Family and friends felt, for a lack of better words, stupid after believing this charade. The spokesman for Habitat for Humanity felt deeply saddened by the whole situation. Dee Dee's family in Louisiana did not mourn her death. Her father, stepmother, and a nephew who first shared details of Gypsy's actual health, said that Dee Dee deserved her fate and that Gypsy had been punished as much as she needed to be. None of them would pay for her funeral, and her father and stepmother flushed her effing ashes down the toilet. Yowzas. Unbelievable. Yeah. Rod Blanchard, Gypsy's father, was much more forgiving. He said, quote, I think Dee Dee's problem was she started a web of lies, and there was no escaping after. 
it was like a tornado got started, unquote. He was happy the first time he saw a video of Gypsy walking under her own power. Gypsy stated in an interview in 2018 with 2020, quote, I feel like I'm more free in prison than living with my mom, because now I'm allowed to just live like a normal woman, unquote. Gypsy said that she thought that her mom would have been a perfect mom for someone that was actually sick. Unfortunately, victims of Munchausen by proxy abuse often avoid doctors and hospitals in their later lives because of lingering trust issues. Gypsy exhibits some of the same sociopathic manipulative behaviors as her mother, who was for much of her life her only role model. She is already psychologically compromised, and she is going to need as much family support as she can get. On September 29, 2023, the Missouri Department of Corrections confirmed that Gypsy had been granted parole and she was released on December 28, 2023, after serving 85% of her sentence, which was about seven years. Right. And actually, all in all, it was about eight and a half years because she had been in jail for that year or so prior to her trial. Right. And it's important to note that Gypsy was not a willing participant in her mother's deception. Again, she was a victim of Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Gypsy Rose was complicit in maintaining the illusion due to her intense fear of her mother's wrath and the belief that she was truly ill. Yes, as the years went by, Gypsy Rose's world began to crumble. A turning point in her life came when she discovered the truth about her real age. She had been misled by her mother into believing she was younger than she actually was. This revelation caused her to question everything she had been told and ignited a desperate desire for liberation. Gypsy Rose's realization about her age was a wake-up call. It became a catalyst for her to take control of her own life and escape the abusive grasp of her mother. Unfortunately, that freedom would come at a terrible cost. The murder of Dee Dee Blanchard was a tragic event that has left many questioning the depths of human desperation and the repercussions of prolonged abuse. It's a reminder that no matter how twisted a situation may seem, there may be underlying causes that need to be examined. The aftermath of the murder unfolded a web of secrets, deception, and intense media scrutiny. With her mother gone, Gypsy Rose suddenly found herself in a position to reveal the truth about her upbringing, exposing the extent of her mother's manipulation and abuse. The case of Gypsy Rose Blanchard raised important discussions about child abuse, mental illness, and the failures of our healthcare and legal systems. It highlighted the need for better understanding and recognition of Munchausen syndrome by proxy as a serious form of abuse. Gypsy said that being in prison was a time of nothing but self-discovery. She received her GED, learned basic math, and other skills that she did not receive as a kid, and even made a few friends. And I remember her being on TV because she's around your brother's age. And I thought, that poor girl. Yeah. Well. 
Not so poor, because while in prison, Gypsy fell in love and married Ryan Scott Anderson, a 37-year-old special education teacher from her home state of Louisiana. Gypsy confessed that over 250 men reached out to her from all countries, wanting to date her while she was behind bars, but Ryan stood out. What the fuck's wrong with people? I don't know. I'll never understand it. But continue. Quote, Well, Ryan's from Louisiana, and I'm originally from Louisiana. When I saw that, I'm kind of like, hey, someone from my home state. So I wrote him a letter back. We became friends, and of course, more than friends, and then now we're married. Unquote. Rather than considering themselves newlyweds, Ryan explains that the couple calls themselves newly together wed since they've been married over a year now. Now the couple is basking in the nuance of everyday life together, which includes learning how they fit into each other's lives. Ryan said, quote, We're still learning each other, but it's been great. Unquote. They've spent most of their time moving her wardrobe into his space. Gypsy said, quote, It was like integrating into our new life together and just settling into married life. We cooked our first dinner together, and you know, it's fun. We're learning about each other. I've already told him to put the toilet seat down several times, unquote. Love it. Welcome to the real world. <laughs> Although their families initially cautioned the couple to wait until Gypsy was released from prison to tie the knot, the pair says they have no regrets about their decision not to wait. As for Gypsy, she says that she was tired of being alone. Quote, I think that, Spending eight and a half years in prison, all I was was all alone. And I was tired of sleeping in a bed by myself. I was tired of feeling like I had no one to share memories with. I always knew that I wanted to share it with someone, I just didn't know who. And now I know who. Unquote. The couple says that they're remaining focused on learning how they work as a married couple before they think about the future in terms of having children but they have no reservations about someday expanding their family. Quote, we're just trying to start off the marriage on a good foot before we bring kids into this situation right now. Unquote. Kudos. Let the girl live and make her own decisions now. For real. Gypsy said, quote, I was in a little cocoon, and now that I'm free, I've emerged as a butterfly. Unquote. She had plans to attend a Kansas City Chiefs game and meet Taylor Swift, as we all do, but those plans were canceled due to security concerns. Gypsy and Ryan moved to Louisiana, where she'd been enjoying her new life that she waited for for so long. Gypsy Rose, who is now 32, said she will take her time to figure out her future. She wants to have kids and start a career, but she's unsure of her skills as she's only had odd jobs in prison. Of course, there have been several documentaries. (laughs) Did I say that right this time? You did. All right. I at least got it right one time. Yeah, one time. Okay. And films and even a book about her life. Gypsy admitted she hasn't watched any of them because it might be too emotionally traumatizing. However, she plans to watch the upcoming Lifetime documentary. (laughs) There you go. We're getting somewhere. It's never too old to learn how to pronounce a word. (laughs) Okay, the series, which is called The Prison Confessions of Gypsy Rose Blanchard. She also revealed 
that she has forgiven her mother and herself for their actions. She believes her mother was suffering from mental health issues, which made forgiveness easier. She really doesn't think that her mother was evil, despite still being confused about everything that happened. She's putting herself out there, and she seems genuinely remorseful about sharing her journey through this series, and hopefully she will touch someone that will not have to go through what she did. While some view her as a criminal, others see her as a victim who made a desperate choice to escape a lifetime of torment. Upon her release, Gypsy Rose Blanchard has gained millions of followers on social media, where she's shared both post-prison selfies and photos of her husband, Ryan. And we will share some of those to our socials. And the Prison Confessions of Gypsy Rose Blanchard premieres actually tonight. We're recording on Friday, but this will come out on Monday. So I will be watching it on Lifetime in just a few hours. How about you? I guess so. Okay. Because you're going to ask me on the next episode if I watched it. And this time I'm going to say yes. Awesome. I did. Well, she looks so much healthier in her picture. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. She looks so good. So, yeah, her teeth have been fixed mm-hmm. enough. So, yeah. So, as we conclude our exploration of the extraordinary life of Gypsy Rose Blanchard, we're left with countless questions and a haunting sense of tragedy. What inside force drove Gypsy Rose to commit such a horrific act? What could have been done to prevent this dark chain of events? Do you believe justice was served? I think it was. I think she served her time and it's time to move on. Agreed. However, I feel bad for Nicholas. In a way. I mean, yes, he did murder somebody. He didn't have to do it. But he was young. And now she's, she's out and she's found a new man. And he's just left there. Well, she was the one that was abused. I know. I mean, you just can't have someone come over and say, come on in and murder my mom. So Yeah, he's like a hitman. Right. I'm saying life for him. Yeah. So, okay. Well, Amanda, I feel like I need to apologize to you for something that happened in high school. First of all, can you call me Amanda Inia? (laughs) Amanda Inia. That's my new name. Okay. Because I think I was the opposite of this. Do you remember the time? You and your brother had your wisdom teeth out and same doctor, same time, same everything. And he was literally bowling and skateboarding the next day. Mm -hmm. And you stayed in bed for like two weeks. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, come on. You are not (laughs) sick. Let's go. And grandma even came over and she's like, she's sick from taking the pain medication. And I don't know, you know, I'm like, don't, don't take the pain medication every four hours. Like, let's move this along. So I guess you just have to find the right balance. Yeah. It turns out I had dry sockets. I know. And I was in pain. I know. And I had to go back for another appointment. Yeah. You should be jailed. Sorry about that. Hmm. Hey. Yeah, I had to wear an ice pack around my face for few weeks after that i just stuff wax into my dry sockets i i won't forget it sorry 
Mm. (laughs) Well, join us next time as we continue to bring you compelling stories that shed light on the complexities of enmeshed families. And remember, some of the most poisonous people come disguised as family. Thank you for listening. All of our sources are in today's show notes. You can find us at enmeshed underscore true crime podcast on Instagram, enmeshed true crime podcast on Facebook, or at enmeshed13 on X, formerly known as Twitter. You can also get a behind the scenes look at the show and chat with us about any of the cases you've heard here or share case suggestions. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to keep up with Enmeshed and join us every Monday for fresh takes on stale relationships. Enmeshed is an oh no production. Oh no.